0: In the book of James, in James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, James talks about temptation. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to sin. To death. So he's talking about temptation. He says that God does not tempt us. God cannot be tempted by evil, first of all. And God is not the one who tempts us. But rather, as we're going to see in just a minute, it is our enemy. that the, We have an enemy, the enemy of our souls. Our enemy is the one who tempts us. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul writes about temptation. He says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So he says that no temptation occurs without God allowing it, allowing the enemy to tempt us, but that God will always, always, always provide a way out of the temptation. The problem is we don't always look for that way out. We don't always look for the way out of the temptation. We don't obey God and and we disobey him and and we just go ahead and just kind of dive right into temptation. It's like, oh, temptation. And when in reality, we should be looking for the the way out. But we don't do that. Instead, we actually just kind of go forward with whatever we're being tempted by and we go ahead and sin. Um, So when we sin, we then find that we are filled with guilt and shame embarrassment and regret. How could I have been so stupid? What was I thinking? I mean, we, we think when the temptation comes along, oh, that sounds great. That's, that sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds like it would be a really good thing to do. And then when we do it, we realize what we've done, we're filled with, with guilt and shame. And then after the guilt and shame kind of ebb away, then all of a sudden we're filled with fear. Well, what if somebody finds out what I've done? What if somebody finds out? What if, what if God knows what I've done? I am in trouble. I am in serious trouble. What am I going to do? And so, we're filled with fear. This morning, we're continuing in our sermon series called The Rise and Fall of Us All. And it's about Genesis chapters 3, chapters 1 through 3. And we're talking about the very beginning of time, the very beginning of creation. How God created everything. He made humanity. He made the animals. He made the The sky and the sea, how God made everything, and how he made people special. He made us unique. He made us in his own image, and he loves us so very much. And we're talking today about how we fell, how we fell into sin, how we gave into temptation, and how we sinned against God. And we broke this whole thing. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the fall of us all. And today's message is called uh, Did God Really Say? And we're going to talk about this, about how the very first temptation came about and the very first sin. So grab your Bible. You can grab one in, if you brought yours. Uh, or if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, grab the Bible in the pew in front of you. And turn to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 7 today. And then next week we'll bring this series to a close as we talk about the rest of the book, of, uh, rest of Genesis chapter 3. Um, We're going to look at Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Also, grab your bulletin, and on page 3, you'll find the handy-dandy outline, and you can fill in some blanks there. The first blank on your handy-dandy outline is about the enemy's tactic, and the tactic that our enemy uses is the enemy creates doubt. That's the enemy's tactic. The enemy creates doubt in the minds of believers. Look at Genesis 3, 1 through 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the lord god had made he said to the now listen to this he said to the woman i don't know what kind of relationship adam and eve had with the animals in the garden of eden i don't know if like this was a common occurrence that like a pig would walk up to adam and even and say what's going on how's things ha- how's things going here in the garden with you everything good if a horse would come by say will no i'm sorry sorry about that um Adam. Um, So I don't know if they regularly talk to the animals. Because if I'm Eve and uh, a serpent comes up and starts talking to me, the first thing I'm going to do is run away. This is a talking snake. And I'm not sticking around for this conversation. I'm just not going to do it. So anyway, back to Genesis 3, (laughs) to to what the Bible actually says. Um, He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. See, the serpent comes along and he doesn't question God's existence. He doesn't say to Eve, do you really think that there's a God who created you? No, Adam and Eve had fellowship with God. They walked and talked with God. They knew that God existed. That's not where the enemy will try and tempt you. That's not where the enemy will try and create doubt. The enemy won't try to create doubt of God's existence, but rather the enemy tries to get Eve to doubt God's love for her and her love, his love for her and Adam. You see, the serpent was cunning. The serpent was crafty. And he knew right where to tempt them. There was only one rule. Don't eat from this tree. Don't eat from this one tree. That one rule. That's, that's one rule. You can eat from, God told them, you can eat from any tree in the garden. You can eat from any any tree you want, except this one tree. And so what is the one thing that Satan does? What is the one thing the enemy does? Let's try and get you to eat from that tree. Let's try to get you to eat from that one tree. You know, the enemy knows God's word. In the book of Matthew, when the enemy comes to tempt Jesus, what does the enemy do? The enemy starts quoting scripture to Jesus when Jesus fights off temptation he quotes scripture to the devil and then the devil quotes scripture to him from the book of Psalms the devil knows the word of God better than you do the devil knows the word of God better than I do the devil knows God's word and what the devil does he'll actually quote God's word to you well God says this right but he'll twist it and he'll turn it in order to try and create doubt in your mind to doubt God's word to doubt the truth of God's word to doubt the, the love that God has for you And so the enemy, again, doesn't doesn't question God, but he got Eve to question God because he kind of slyly walks up to her and says, did God really say? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You must not eat from any tree? Well, that's not what God said. They could eat from every tree in the garden except one. You see, Eve was innocent. She was naive she didn't know the difference between right and wrong her eyes had not been opened and she replied yeah we can eat we can eat from every tree except one and then you know what she does she adds to god's word she adds to the command that god gave because she said oh and we must not touch it or else we will surely die we must not even touch it where did god say that he didn't in genesis 2:16 and 17 this is the command he gave and the lord god commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it you will surely die see it says the lord god commanded the man here's my here's what i wonder is is you know god tells adam don't eat from any you can eat from any tree except this one and then somewhere in the translation from adam to eve he's like don't even touch that tree I don't know. I mean, it's creating, uh, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, it may, may not, but somewhere along the line, Eve gets the idea that she's not even allowed to touch that tree or else she'll surely die. So she adds to the word of God. Doubt is creeping into her mind, and it's by Satan, the enemy, twisting God's words. The enemy tried to get A- Adam and Eve to doubt God's goodness and her and his love. It's as though God was withholding something from them. Did God really say you're not allowed to eat from any tree? Oh, man, think about that one tree. That No, 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 we can eat from any tree, just not that one. Wow, that must be some really good fruit on that tree. That must be some really good fruit if God doesn't want you to have it. Because, see, that's what the enemy's doing, creating doubt in her mind that God loves her and that God has what's best in mind for her. Why, I wonder why God doesn't want you to have that tree. I wonder why he doesn't want you to have that fruit. And this is a tactic that is still used by the enemy. Did, did God really say? Did God really say you can't have a beer after work? After a really hard day at work? Well, see, God doesn't understand. But, but what happens? One beer leads to another, and to another, and to another. And all of a sudden now you're driving home drunk and you get a DOI and you're arrested and your life is completely messed up. Or did God really say, did God really say you can't look at porn on the internet? Well, God doesn't understand. It's not hurting anyone. No one knows. It's your little secret. It's okay. But why are you hiding your habit? Here's a, here's a test, okay? You want to know if it's okay and nobody knows and, and it's okay with them? Ask your spouse if it's okay. What does your spouse say? Is it okay if I look at porn on the internet? Why are you hiding it? Because you know it's not okay. You know that it's a temptation. Did God really say you can't go to rated R movies? Well, it's just a movie. It's just entertainment, right? But see, Jesus told us that what we put into our eyes and what we put into our ears comes out of our mouths and comes out of our lives and our actions. That what you put in comes back out. Whatever you put into your heart comes back out. You know, it's, it's like the enemy is trying to get us to doubt that god knows what is best for you that god is some great big ogre in the sky i don't want you to have any fun i don't want you to be happy at all i'm the great big ogre in the sky you will do what i say as though god is is out to to get us and that god knows and and this is the, the doubt that the enemy creeps into our minds is that well god knows that if you do that you'll just have too much fun And then you'll just be having too much of a good time. And God doesn't want you to have a good time. God doesn't want you to have fun. He doesn't want anybody to be happy. He doesn't want anybody to have fun. And the enemy distorts God's word. You can't eat from any tree? Is that what God said? You can't eat from any tree? How are you going to survive if you can't eat? You're going to go hungry. You're going to starve to death. See, the enemy creates doubt in our minds by twisting God's word. And we fall for that tactic too often. The second blank on your outline is the enemy calls God a liar. The enemy calls God a liar. Look at verses 4 and 5. <laughs> the serpent, so brazen, right? You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I don't do that too well, do I? Do I do the serpent voice too well? <laughs> too convincing? <laughs> the tactic that the enemy uses, is that the enemy... The enemy creates doubt in our minds. And then the trick that the enemy uses is to call God a liar. You are not going to die. How could you be so foolish, Eve? God just created you. You think he's going to kill you? You think he's going to, he just put you here. You think he's going to take you out? You think he's going to strike you down dead? No way. The enemy told Eve that God lied to her. And what did she do? she believed the enemy in john 8 jesus calls the devil the father of lies he is the father of lies that he all he will do is tell you half truths and lies the enemy will tell you half truths and lies and that is it he will distort he will twist and he will lie to you jesus said that the the enemy has been a murderer from the beginning And Eve fell for the oldest trick in the book. Literally, it is the oldest trick in the book. Why? Because it's the first one in the book. It is the oldest trick in the book. And Eve falls for it. The enemy calls God a liar, and the enemy is still lying, by the way. This is the oldest trick in the book, and it hasn't changed. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's the same trick. The enemy is still lying to us today. And it's the same lie. It's the same lie. You will not surely die you will not die. if you cheat on your spouse, you are not gonna die. no one's gonna know if you do drugs just once. if you just do drugs once, you're not gonna die, most likely. No one's gonna find out. if you drive drunk just once, it's okay. it's no one's gonna find out and you're you're probably not going to die if you, it's just one time. God'll get you home safe and sound. He loves you right? He'll get you home safe and sound. If you cheat on your taxes, you're not going to die. If you just cheat just once, everybody does it. You fudge the numbers a little bit, you know, you you get a little more in your return, everybody does it. It's no big deal. If you steal from your employer, you're not going to die. Everybody does it. Nobody ever gets caught. And the enemy will then try to justify the lie. He will create doubt in your mind, and and then he will justify the lie. God doesn't know. God doesn't know. He doesn't know what you're going through. And God knows that if you do this just this one time, if you do this one time, you're not going to die. God knows that. He's not going to kill you. And, and, and God, God knows. He knows that, that nothing's going to happen. He's just trying to keep you from being happy. He's just trying to keep you from enjoying life. God doesn't understand what you're going through. God doesn't get it he doesn't know what you're going through he he doesn't know that your husband doesn't pay attention to you or that your wife doesn't pay a, a, attention to you he doesn't understand what you're going through he doesn't understand god doesn't understand teenagers he doesn't know how hard it is to be a teenager he doesn't understand that your parents don't understand your parents don't get it god doesn't know that you know what teenagers guess what your parents said the same thing You just don't understand, mom and dad. And you know what? They said the same thing to their parents. You just don't get it, mom and dad. Your clothes, you dress too obnoxiously. Your music is too loud and it's garbage. It sounds terrible. Guess what? Their parents said that to them, and their parents said that to them, and their parents said, your hair's too long, your hair's too short, whatever. Whatever it just goes on and on it's uh, you know your parents do understand what it's like to be a teenager it may not seem like it but believe me they understand because they've been through it themselves happens every generation it just does but the enemy will try and convince you that god doesn't understand and so you know god doesn't understand your boss is a jerk your life is hard god doesn't understand God doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. It's what the enemy will try and tell you. So you know what you do? You cheat with another person, or you cheat with the girl on the Internet who never says no. That porn star, she never says no. You do drugs to escape the pain of your teenage years. You steal from your employer. You drink to escape the harsh reality of your life. And then what happens? Then what happens? You don't die. You don't die. I drove drunk, I didn't die. I lied to my parents, I didn't die. You know, I, I remember <laughs> being a little guy and uh, you know when you're when you're little, the it's li- little people little problems, right? You know, it's 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 the first time the first time you, you you do something that you know is wrong and you're just so scared and terrified the first time you say a bad word. say a cuss word and then you do it <laughs> I, di- I didn't die I didn't die well alright cause see that's what happens you do it one time and there's fear and shame and oh what have I done and then when you don't die I'll just do it again <laughs> that was easy and we do it again and again and again. And what we realize is, is that while I didn't die physically, while I didn't die, lightning didn't strike me down right there, and God didn't smite me, he didn't drop a boulder on my head, I may not have died physically, but I died a little in here. I died a little in here. See, that's the lie that the enemy tells. That's the lie the enemy tells. You will not surely die, and that yet you die in here. And then what happens? Third blank on your outline. The enemy causes fear. Genesis three six and seven. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Who? uh, She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. He was with her. He was with her right there. Could have said, uh, you know what? Um, he, He did say, "Don't eat from that tree." And what does he do? He stands there quietly, silently, just kind of going along with it, going, oh, okay, you want to try some? Sure, that's fine. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The enemy will only tell you lies and half-truths. Adam and Eve were not struck down dead by lightning at that very moment, And when you give into temptation, you will probably not die right then and there. You are most likely not going to physically die. But what about your soul? What about your innocence? What about your relationship with God or your spouse or your kids or your family or your friends? What about how are you going to look yourself in the mirror tomorrow morning? You go, you're, you're going to do? You're going to do what Adam and Eve did. You're going to try and cover it all up. We're just going to cover it up. I'm going to cover up my shame. I'm going to cover up my guilt. But deep down inside, deep down, down here, you know what you've done. I know what I've done. I know what I did. I messed up. And I messed up big time. I blew it. I totally messed up. I fell for the enemy's tactic. And I trusted in his lies. And I fell for his tricks. And now my heart and my soul are filled with terror I am ruined I sinned And now I have to hide I am so ashamed And I am filled with guilt So what do we do When we sin against God We try to hide from Him I'm going to hide I'm going to cover up myself With fig leaves I'm going to hide from God We'll talk about that next week I'm going to hide from Him Because I can't face Him now Because I messed up I totally ruined this thing And we're filled with guilt And we're filled with shame And what does the enemy do then What does the enemy do He comes along And he starts talking to you again. (laughs) Just look at you. Just look at you. What are you going to do now? God doesn't want anything to do with you. (laughs) You screwed up. You screwed everything up. And someone's going to have to pay for this. How many of you have ever been to the lower level of Macy's at the mall? Anybody been downstairs at Macy's at the mall? Okay. What do they have down there? They have... The finest china and stemware and silverware and crystal—they've got all this. It just looks expensive, and you don't even have to look at the price tag to go, "I can't afford that." There is no way. It just looks way too nice. You know, I got the IKEA special in my house. I, there's no way I'm going downstairs at macy's you know and and so like when you walk by it you're just you like take a step away it's like okay i'm not going to get anywhere near that and when you have a when you have a little one then it's like we're not even going there no we'll go up the escalator and out the mall that way because we're not even walking by that stuff <laughs> no way and imagine you're walking by all this fine china and, and crystal glassware and stemware and stuff and, and you're walking by and all of it and you look down and you realize oh my shoes untied and you fall right into it, and I mean, you, you just break like thousands of dollars of glassware. And once the shock wears off, and you clean up all the blood and everything, and you're like, Oh no, what have I done? Somebody's got to pay for this. Somebody's got to pay for all this. And 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 my credit's not very good at Macy's. I got a big problem. Someone's got to pay for it. And the manager comes up and said, What happened here? Somebody's got to pay for this mess. And then a wealthy family just kind of sees what happens and their hearts are filled with sympathy for you and they're like, oh, I feel so bad for what happened to you. Tell you what, tell you what, here, are you okay? Are you all right? And they kind of, you know, dust you off a little. And tell you what, we'll take care of it, all right? God has blessed us in so many ways. We're just going to go ahead and we'll pay for all of this. Don't say to the manager, don't worry about this. It's okay, it's okay, we'll, we'll take care of this. You broke it. You deserve to pay for it. You should have to pay for it. You broke it. But somebody else paid the price same thing goes for our hearts and souls you see we broke it we sinned against god and we broke it but yet jesus is the one who said that i will pay for it i will pay for it i will pay the penalty i will pay the price someone had to pay for it and jesus is the one who did that's why he came he came to pay for all of this to pay for all of these sins. And that is exactly what Jesus said he would do. In Romans five twelve, this is what Paul said. He said, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this same and in this way, death came to all men, because all sinned. Because we've all sinned. We all deserve death. But verse 15 says, But the gift, God's gift, is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life? through the one man jesus christ consequently just as the one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people for just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous that's what jesus did is he he nullified the effects of the one man's sin and his one righteous act has brought justification and freedom and forgiveness and hope and peace to everyone and it's available for us all it's available for everybody there's only one thing that could satisfy the wrath of god and that was the sacrifice of jesus christ that god sent jesus to die for our sins and he took our punishment that we deserved, and he gave up his life for us And he gave us hope. And see, that's what being a Christian is all about. You are a sinner in need of forgiveness. I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. And we can try and clean up the mess by ourselves. We can try and clean it up. We can try and make ourselves clean. We can try and cover up our shame. We can try and cover up our embarrassment. But we are only fooling ourselves. God took care of it. Jesus paid the price. As the old hymn says, Jesus paid it all. And you have to accept his grace and his gift of salvation. And you do that by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You believe in him, you repent from your sins. You confess your faith and you're baptized for forgiveness. That's what happened in our first service. Yvonne came forward. She said, I want to be, be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. And we baptized you today. And, and you have a new sister in Christ. And it's because Jesus paid it all. It's that simple. There's a question at the end of your outline. Who knows what is best for me? Is it the enemy? Or is it God? Who knows what is best for you? That's what this entire message boils down to. Who knows and who wants what is best for me? You see, you want what is best. I want what is best for me. But you know what? I I really don't know what is best for me. Because I think that what is most expedient is what is best for me, and that's not the case. The enemy, the enemy does not want what is best for me. But he will try and convince me, and he will try and convince you that he knows what is best for you. And then, and then there is our Heavenly Father, our Maker, our Creator, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Friend. And he knows what is best for you. And he knows what is best for me. And because he loves me, and because he loves you, therefore he wants what is best for us. And the question is, will we trust him? Will we obey him? My challenge for you this morning is to say no. I grew up in the 80s, okay? We declared war on drugs in the 80s, and it was just say, very good. Let's apply that to temptation, okay? We're just going to say no. When temptation comes calling, temptation comes along and says, ah, just once won't hurt. When temptation comes along and says, you will not surely die, we're going to say No say no we're gonna say no to temptation you know your weaknesses i know mine you know your struggles with temptation i know mine you know your struggles with sin i know mine the best thing we can do don't put yourself in those situations i was reading the story of david and bathsheba this week and the, the, it's very clear in what uh, the bible says is that in the spring of the year when kings went off to war david didn't go see the kings of the the land uh, around israel Uh, The kings would go to war every spring and they would lead their men into battle. David stayed behind. He put himself in a bad situation. And I don't think it was the first time he saw Bathsheba. Don't put yourself in those situations. Look for the way out. Remember what I said at the very beginning when I read from 1 Corinthians 10? Look for the way out. Jesus didn't die so that we could sin all we want with no regard for his sacrifice. Our sins cost him his life. So let us listen to him and obey him. And remember, remember this, God wants what is best for us. And if we will listen to him and obey him, then we will truly have...